morning, good morning, good morning. Can everybody hear me? Yeah. Hey, Scotty. Hey. Remember that time you got bit by a squirrel? Yeah. <laughs> it's good to be back. Uh, it is kind of surreal because me and Joseph used to be really important here, and now Joseph isn't, and so it's <laughs> so sad. I don't know why they didn't ask you to speak. <laughs> um, cool. Well, everybody just, just close your eyes real quick, and we'll just kind of... Everybody, close your eyes. I, I just want to take a second to just kind of slow down. It's been really exciting. It's been, uh, this, is, this is, this is so far the beginning of this chapel is way better than anything we had. Um, and I just want to take a second to bring it down and just calm yourself a little bit. I'm going to have you ask yourself some pretty difficult questions throughout this morning. And so we are going to have fun, but I just want you to just take a second and for it to just be quiet and for you to be able to hear yourself. You're all influential people. You're all people that God has gifted to do incredible things. Uh, I want you to know that and I want to speak that life over you because it's important to keep that in mind that sometimes you can't see it but that you're all capable of doing extraordinary things and so when they here refer to you as elite leaders and future leaders and leaders where you are it's true and sometimes you can't see it but it's true and I want you to know that all right you can open your eyes I'll pray again in a minute that wasn't really a prayer but um, I know some of you, I think you guys saw like a video that I sent, maybe, is that true? Andre, so you've all seen my face before at some point. Okay, good. I've been at an organization called Catalyst. How many people have heard of Catalyst? Okay, good. A good number. Okay, so you guys are familiar with what we do. We put on Christian leadership conferences. Uh, it's leadership development based. A few of our guys went to our biggest one that we have uh, last week, and I'm still recovering from it a little bit. It was a little hectic, but... Nonetheless, it's really fun. It's really good to be here. I've learned a lot over the past six months in just being there and working in that environment because it's not a church and it's not nonprofit. It's for-profit business, but it's Christian-based. So seeing the mix of business and Christian together uh, and to see it done well and with excellence, you can't help but learn a lot. And so that's uh, probably the hardest I've worked, but it's been, it's been a great experience. I did want to, Kara talked about my story a little bit, and, you know, as mean as it sounded, it's true. Uh, there's a very gracious God. So um, I grew up in Texas here, um, American by birth, but Texan by the grace of God. And so I just lost all the northerners on that. Um, I grew up like an hour from here, Northwestern Hills, Texas, and it's right in between Dallas and Fort Worth. And so uh, I was... Um, born in a hospital in Hearst, Texas that's now a retirement home, which is weird to tell people that you were born in a retirement home. Um, but I grew up here, uh, went through Christian private schools my entire life, kind of grew up with the knowledge of God but not actually knowing him. Uh, I got just radically saved uh, my freshman year of college. I was down in College Station, Texas, and I can still probably, if we went to the parking lot of the private dorm I was living with, and at the time, you could probably find the parking space. I could point it out. I was in my truck, uh, pulled in there. I was on the phone with somebody, and I was like, this is not working, what I'm doing. The way I'm living my life, and there's a lot of partying and 
and stuff. And uh, it just wasn't, I wasn't getting anywhere. And it was really depressing. Um, actually, I have a couple pictures. Um, uh, one from when I was little. On three. One, two, three. Aww. Not only are those acid wash jeans, but they're suspenders with them. I love Disney World. It's my favorite place in the world. It was really ironic actually going there the last time because I was that little the first time I saw Minnie, and I just expected her to be the same size. And when I went there last time, she's about that tall, a little midget. So I love Disney World. But um, as I grew up, I have another picture after this, and this one's kind of, uh, I guess, metaphorical. Um, that is a picture that my cousin took. He went to Costa Rica over the summer, and he was kind of on the beach, and he saw this ship out there just all by itself, and immediately when I saw it, I was like, that was, that was my life for a long time, which was just captured in an image. I don't know if you've ever seen an image and just been like, that really connects for some reason. But that one did because for the longest time, I just felt totally and utterly alone. Me and my parents weren't getting along from birth to age 19 or 20. <laughs> Um, we never, never really clicked too well. Uh, I, I had friends, but I had one friend in particular. It was my cousin, the guy who took this picture. And then junior year of high school, he got a girlfriend, and I didn't see him for a long time. So um, that was my life to me. And some of you know that feeling of just not, it doesn't feel like anybody's there. And people tell you, like, oh, God's there for you. And you're like, where? Where? Like, I don't, I don't feel it, I don't really see it, but everybody keeps telling you to lean on God and that you don't even know what that looks like. And so I'll get a little bit more into that as well, but that was what my life felt like for the longest time. So I got saved whenever I was in my freshman year of college. Uh, nothing really changed a whole lot immediately, but over time it did, and so I ended up here. Um, series of events, and over that Christmas break, I ended up overdosing on prescription painkillers. Uh, that was what they referred to as rock bottom. And uh, I just knew that I couldn't be skeptical about God anymore, I couldn't be cynical about it, that I just had to, in a sense, just give God the benefit of the doubt and just dive into it. And so that's where I've been the last four years. And I will tell you, people have been incredibly instrumental in that. When you talk about Brandon and the Rayleighs and great friends like Joseph and Justin and a lot of the people that are here. So that's where my life has been at. It's been uh, interesting, um, a lot of growth but it's been very difficult. And so uh, I'll pray here in a second, but here's one thing that I wanted to, you know, I'm asking you guys to get vulnerable and I'm asking you guys to be real with yourself and ask yourself some questions. And so I didn't want to ask that of you, but not give you some of that as well. And I, I wanted you to, well, I was talking to my dad last night and, um, you know, just telling him, you know, if I had to be honest, I'm kind of nervous about this. And, you know, you come back to this place and, you know, the first thing that Kara says to me when I get here is like, don't, don't screw this up. And that's not, that's, that's not what you're supposed to do as a Christian, by the way. <laughs> you're not supposed to tell the speaker that. You're supposed to be like, oh, you're going to kill it, and we love you, and Holy Spirit and anointing. And she was like, are you anointed? <laughs> Thank you. So, uh, but I was, I was telling him, I was like, I'm a little nervous. I, you know, if I had to be really honest, there's that flesh and spirit warfare that Galatians talks about. And my flesh would want you to walk away thinking that I'm smart that I'm funny, and to have you impressed with who I am. And that's just me being honest about my brokenness. And, and 
what I really struggle with in these moments. And me saying that to say, it's okay. Whatever you're dealing with, whatever your brokenness is, whatever, whatever's kind of on your heart that makes things difficult, that makes situations difficult and the sin that you're dealing with, we've all got it. And God is not expecting you to be perfect. So just know that. So I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to pray that I would stay out of this and that this would all be God's words coming through me and then we'll get into it. God, thank you for these people. Thank you for this time. I pray that your words would come through and that uh, it would be the things that they need to hear. It would be it'd be the words that would just speak to their hearts for where they're at and what they're going through and that more than anything, they would just leave here feeling encouraged that they would feel uh, built up and that your word would really permeate with them. And so I thank you for this time. It's in your name we pray, amen. All right. I don't, do I just say next slide? I feel like it's a classroom if I say next slide. Good. Okay, proper warning. This is a little bit what I'm just kind of laying out what I'm doing here today, and that's this. I call it a proper warning uh, because I believe in passing along what you've learned. You, you don't go through difficult situations just to cry about your difficult situations. You go through difficult situations because you need to pass it off to somebody. You talk about James chapter 1 where it says, count it all joy, brothers, when you go through trials of many kinds for the... Testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and steadfastness, when it has its work, it you know, leaves you perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Okay, so that's you. That's what you learn from it. That's your endurance. That's you learning from your experience. But it'd be just ridiculous if you didn't pass that off to other people. Uh, we, for our conference, we had to move these pallets around. Uh, you know, you get the pallet jack, and they've got big boxes of magazines and stuff on them. So we had to take them off of these rickety trucks that was probably like against some violation of so many codes because somebody could have gotten crushed. So anyway, one of these pallets ends up falling over and all these boxes just pour onto the concrete and you kind of have that moment where all three of you look at it and you're like, I, I hate working here. <laughs> like, this is the worst job. And so what, what we did is because we had to move into another pallet and so you know you kind of form the assembly line where one guy picks it up, he passes it, this guy stands here and does this and I had the easy job because I did this move just for like 10 minutes. And so, but that's essentially what I'm doing today is I'm taking something that somebody taught me or what I learned from a situation and I'm just handing it off to you. Your job is to hopefully learn from my mistakes and then pass it off to somebody else, okay? And through your experiences and your thing, don't hold on to something by getting bitter about it, by getting pitiful about it. Learn from it and move on. So this is, I call it a proper warning. You can, next slide. Okay, Bear Grylls. Everybody know who Bear Grylls is? Okay, it goes Jesus, my dad, Bear Grylls. He is awesome. I love him. He eats anything, which freaks me out. But the reason why I picked him is because I really called it a proper warning because he says proper a lot because he's proper British. And so he'll be going around just saying, I was proper hurt. And it doesn't, I don't understand what it means in that context, but it sounds good. So I threw it in there. Um, but... The reason why I picked him, and, and I call it the guy version, is because if you watch Bear Grylls at all in Man vs. Wild, he has a camera crew that's with him, and he'll be crawling through some stuff or get stuck in a mud pit or be, you know, trying to kill a cobra in order to eat it or whatever. And he'll warn his camera crew about the terrain, the animal, whatever. He'll kind of like, he'll go in, he'll get stuck in something and be like, hey, watch your foot there and whatever. And that's essentially what this is. This is me saying, watch out, watch your step, do this. Don't do that, okay? I also have, I didn't think the girls would connect with Bear Girls as much, and so I actually have a girl version. 
Everybody know who that is? Polly D, new haircut. He, uh, I, this is the girl version of me. Girls are really, you guys are quick. Like, if you meet a guy and you know he's no good, the entire dorm knows that in less than 30 seconds. <laughs> that just whoo, spreads through. And girls know how to warn each other about Polly D's. Um, I can't stand him. <laughs> Anyway, I, you know that, that sense. You guys are connecting with what I'm saying. Because you, you guys all do this in life. Now I'm just telling you, just on a spiritual level, make sure you're passing on wisdom and information. And so that's essentially what this is. Um, that has been a lot of the last six months. I was praying about this, because uh, you're supposed to do that when someone asks you to speak. And so I was kind of like, okay, God, what do you want me to talk about? Because, you know, you come to a church, you're supposed to have a three-point sermon with some breakdown of Ezekiel that nobody's ever heard. And so usually my first reaction is to find some obscure preacher that's really good that nobody listens to and just try not to sound too much like him. <laughs> so everybody usually goes Andy Stanley or John Piper. But um, I wanted to, I felt like he said, share what you've learned. And I got to the end of kind of preparing all this. Uh, and I was, I was like, I don't have a... I don't have a ton of scripture. <laughs> I was like, I've got, a, I've got a little bit, but I'm preaching to, to college students who are in Bible college, and I don't have a ton. And God was like, no, just go with it. And then Will Perry calls me. He's like, what scripture are you preaching out of? And I was like, that's a good question. Uh, so I, I do have two, so we're good. Uh, everybody go to Colossians 3.3. 3. How, many, how many first years? These are all people I've most, Adam, <laughs> all people I haven't met before. That's good. Okay. This is New Living Translation. For you died to this life, this life being the world you're in, what you were doing, what your heart desired, what your evil, wicked heart was after, and your real life is hidden. Everybody say hidden. Hidden with Christ in God. So where's your life? It's hidden in Christ. And when something is hidden and you want it, what do you have to do? Now how often does the Bible talk about seeking things? A ton. It's seek first the kingdom of God, knock door will be answered. It's that whole concept. So to find your life, and this will really be, if you're looking for the underlying theme of what I'm talking about today, it's identity. It's you knowing who you are in Christ and living out of that. Because if you try to live your identity out of what you accomplish, uh, what your talents are, your strengths and giftings, you're just going to be miserable. It seems like they'll fulfill you, but they won't. Because if you're performance-oriented, I'll start from there because that's how I was. I grew up performance-oriented where if I did a bad job, uh, nobody liked me. And if I did a good, they'd like me, but then that would just, that's the way it seemed. That's kind of the way I grew up. So anyway, if you live out of that, you can put together a few good days. You can put together a streak of doing awesome where you don't make, if you do make mistakes, they're ones that people really don't care about. But you make a big one, you forget to pick up a speaker on a Sunday morning, which happened. Uh, you just feel terrible because you're like, what was I doing? Like, what, 
oh my gosh, like I'm, apparently I'm not as responsible as I thought I was because I forgot the speaker. Like I forgot, sorry, I'm referencing, I forgot Cy Rogers last year and it was kind of an ordeal. But anyway, um, you forget the speaker and you're like, oh, I'm, apparently like I'm not as responsible as I thought I was because I couldn't even remember to pick up a speaker and you just crash for like two days. And then that's when enemy just comes in and just, you know, the accuser of the brethren, he just tells you you're terrible and he said, all your thoughts start with you, whatever, and from then, and that's how you know it's not from God. So, anyway, all that to say, um, you have to know who you are. It's, there's the, uh, I guess the general things that God says about you where it's, it's for everybody. It's like, you know, you're a saint, you're, you're, you're an heir, you're uh, a child of God. Like, those things apply to all of you, but there are certain things that God will speak over you specifically for yourself. And, and where God tells you who you are as a person, and if that isn't your main concern, and if that isn't what you're driving after, then you're gonna get lost in trying to find yourself in other things and what makes you feel good. So uh, that's where we're gonna get into um, this. I call it the simple spiritual growth process because I couldn't think of another name for it, but, you know, whatever. So it'll be good either way. Uh, this is something that one of the guys, uh, we have... Actually, I'll do this. Um, Catalyst works like this, where we have a parent company called Giant Impact, and under Giant Impact, there's the Catalyst brand, uh, Chick-fil-A leader cast, and then this thing they're developing now called Leadership Development Side. They work with four Coca-Cola major companies, and they develop their CEOs and executive teams and stuff. And so... Um, the guys that they have on that team are brilliant. Like, they got vice president from Apple. They got these guys who are just ridiculously smart. So anyway, one of the guys on this team, his name is Eric Hill. He is, he did consulting in Houston or something like that, and he came over, and we'd heard a lot about him, but I met him, and you go into his office, and he, it's, it's like my dream. He has these, these, like, whiteboards and posters and everything all over his office of all these models, all this, like, all these, uh, like, spiritual um, principles laid out in picture form, which I love because I'm visual. Like, if you just tell me something, I have to put it together in my head, but if you can show it to me, that's amazing. And so he came up with this whole model uh, that I love, and so I think I've got it. Yeah, very simple, easy to remember. I love it. And we'll spend most of our time on this, like I said. Okay, uh, one of the biggest questions you probably get or you will get uh, eventually along down the line since you are a young adult and you are in college and especially since you're in ministry school is this. What do you want to do? Or what, what were you created to do? Or what, you know, what? It's always the what. You know, people, you know, what do you, you want to be a senior pastor? Do you want to be a worship leader? You want to, what, you want to do youth? You want to do that for 20 years and then switch over to a senior pastor? Like what, there's always like a model and kind of a thing with it. Is everybody, is that, would you agree with that? You get a lot of what? Okay, so this is what he, because I was all kinds of worried, messed up, uh, he, I was all kinds of worried about the what, like the, you know, right now at, at Catalyst, I basically do concierge work, which is me, and I just call people on the phone, I, you know, answer any questions and things like that, and so uh, while you're there, you start wondering, like, you start looking around and saying, like, what am I great at, like, what am I going to do, what am I going to do, what am I going to do, and Eric was kind of like, chill, okay, you're stressing yourself out and you don't really know what you're good at right now, so just calm yourself. And 
he drew out this model for me, and he said, basically, the way life tends to go and the way we grow in God is we start with identity. You have to figure out who you are, and you have to, because where's your life? Hidden. Okay, so you have to go find it. And that, that doesn't, that's not a, just a overnight microwave that issue. Like, that takes a while. And so, and, and you're going to be spending the rest of your life doing that, but there's a bulk of it that's done at this time in life. And so he talks about the who going into, and from out of who, you get to how. How is self-leadership. That's what you're also learning here. How to lead yourself, how to discipline yourself, how to uh, grow, how to be a self-learner the rest of your life. A lot of that is done in this time, learning those strategies and then implementing them whenever you do get into a position of leadership. And so that flows into the how. And then eventually... You get to what? What naturally flows out of these two things? Because once you figure out who you are, you're figuring out what you're good at. And once you figure out what you're good at and how to cultivate that, you're just going to do it. So we, we went to lunch with uh, this author and blogger. His name is John Acuff. A uh, really funny guy. He's awesome. So we went to lunch with him, and we were talking about he used to do advertising. And we asked him kind of what was the transition from advertising to having your own blog and writing some books and stuff. And he said, well, I was in advertising and my blog started to get a lot of attention, so I was getting a lot of job offers. So what he didn't do was sit down and look at all the job offers and figure out which one he liked the best. He sat down and him and his wife made a list of things that he was good at and then filtered those jobs through that. So that way, he ends up doing what he feels like, well, number one, hopefully where God is calling him to go, and then number two, what he really fits into and what, uh, what's the word? Uh, I guess like expands his gifting or, or, or grows it or whatever. And so the what will naturally flow out of this. Now, I'm not telling you that if you heard from God and he told you what you're gonna do you know, down the road or if he told you you're gonna lead a church, I'm not sitting here telling you that that's not true. That is absolutely true. Uh, two years ago, um, three years ago maybe, just through a series of events, I clearly heard God tell me that for the rest of my life, maybe not immediately, but for my life, my main uh, occupation, my main calling was to speak or communicate. And I don't know the context. I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know any of that. I just know that that's what God called me to. I don't know that that's right now, though. I'm not running out to every single person saying, like, where can I speak? Because that's not what I feel like God's leading me to do. I felt like God led me to Catalyst. I don't have any speaking opportunities at Catalyst unless you call a speaking opportunity picking up the phone. Like, that's not what I'm doing right now. I'm just doing, the best way I can say it to you is this. God will promise you something, but his will sometimes leads you somewhere differently. So you don't, you don't know, you know, Abraham, I'm going to give you ancestors like the stars. That's the number. Did he have any idea how he's gonna get there? Absolutely not. There's a difference between God's promise and God's will. God's promise doesn't come immediately. This is me telling you, live for God's will. Live for what he's telling you to do right now, not for the thing down the road, because that's not always immediate. Does that make sense? Good. You guys are awesome. All right. So this naturally flows out. Okay, this gets into a whole other thing. Um, is there another? Awesome. Everybody know what those are? They're called collision balls, and collision balls, basically, it's the Newton's um, it's the law of energy where you transfer it across an object and it comes back, and so uh, this was a great illustration for me having to do with this. Oh, wow, that's terrible. 
to flip it? Oh, lame. Okay. All right. This. Don't laugh at my drawing. <laughs> I'm dyslexic. Um, this would be the who. Say you figure out, you, you start to hear from God who you are, your identity, and things like that, okay? This hopefully just gives a visual illustration for what I was talking about. Um, this would be the how. Kind of stays static in the middle, but it's how you figure it out. And then what gets pushed out. Does that kind of give you a good visual picture? Okay, cool. Now, the other thing I wanted to show with this model is, uh, I guess they call being versus doing. And doing would be everything that you do here at the church. Like how many of you, you guys all have to volunteer on Sunday, right? You guys all have to do stuff and report places and, and things, and you learn a lot from it, which is great. But if your identity gets caught up in the do and not in just being, and by being, I mean being in Christ, abiding in his presence. I'm not talking about requiring yourself to spend 15 minutes a day reading the Bible and praying. I'm talking about your heart being centered on Christ and what you do coming out of that. Because here's the thing, I, I left for Atlanta. I felt like I was David in the Old Testament whenever Saul gives him his armor, you know, to fight Goliath. Everybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, so Saul tries to give David all this armor. That's not a bad thing to do. He was trying to protect him. Like that was by all means a nice act, but he didn't need it. So I felt like when I went out to Atlanta, I had this huge suit of armor on that I guess it'd have to be really big because I'm a large person, but like this huge suit of armor on with all these like plates that all said like, you know, the six points of having a good attitude and all these sermons that I'd heard and advice and lessons, and those were all good things, but honestly, that appeals more to my flesh than it does to my spirit because I am not the best follower of Christ whenever someone lays out a six-point sermon about how to be really happy. That is not when I'm happiest. My type A self loves that because I would love for you to tell me if this happens, then this happens. But is that even true in relationships with your friends? It's not always 100%. Just because I'm nice to you doesn't mean you'll be nice back. And just because I'm mean to you doesn't mean you'll be mean back to me. Like, so you can't boil it down to six points. So, all that to say, whenever you, uh, you have to just abide. That's all I can say. When you're in Christ, you just have to abide in his presence. You have to hear from him. And if it's not about that, then you're just doing. Imagine a pendulum, okay? Sometimes you're gonna swing over to the doing. Like you're just gonna get really focused on trying to make yourself feel good on things that you do, the amount of things that you accomplish and all that kind of stuff. And so, and then you'll swing back to being. This is a time in life where I realized I had gone way, like if this was doing, I was somewhere just along down the line. I was just, all I was focused on was what I was doing, how I was accomplishing things if I was doing a good job. And then God kind of like takes a bat to your knees and you realize you have to be humble and you swing back over to the being and it's like, Christ, I, this isn't working. That, there's been about three times in life that I've prayed that prayer. 
of this isn't working. It was when I got saved. It was after I overdosed and probably about two months ago where, uh, I mean, it's a different kind of low, but it, it's that, like, I don't hear God. I'm not, I'm not really connecting with what he's telling me when I do hear him. It's just there's something amiss. There's just something not right. And so uh, Eric Hill was the one that told me, he was like, you need to stop listening to sermons to try and figure out what to do. You need to stop reading every book that you feel like might answer your problems. You just need to sit and just listen because all you're doing is talking and all you're doing is moving around. So if you're, if you're in a time of life right now where you're trying to figure out, like, I can't hear God, there's something, it just, there's a disconnect, just sit. Just sit and just listen. And he'll talk to you. And we're going to do that a little bit later. But hopefully that, that gives you kind of the being versus doing. Another great picture of that, does everybody know Philippians 4.13? Yeah, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Okay, that has been like the most overused. Tim Tebow has got it under his eyes. And then you've got, I look, I Google it, like I image, because I wanted to see what images would come up. There's all these dudes with like these tattoos right here. It's like Philippians 4.13, because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then they flex their tricep. So you get all those guys, or you'll have like a picture of like a bodybuilder who's like power cleaning something. He's got it over his head, and it says Philippians 4.13, which... I think this will connect with you guys is that every, pretty much every time I see Philippians 4.13, you can basically, the person's basically saying, like, I can do all the things that I want to do through Christ who strengthens me, or I can get through today, or, you know, whatever. Like, there's a, I can do all the things that I feel like I need to do through Christ who strengthens me. But that's missing it. That's missing what that verse is trying to communicate. If you were to, I'll try and write it real fast, but... Everybody's seen Star Wars, right? You know how Yoda talks all funky? If you were to Yoda this verse and move this to the front, it would say what? Say, through Christ who strengthens me, I can do all things. And that's, imagine saying it like this. Instead of like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Say it, through Christ who strengthens me, I can do all things. Or say it, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Through Christ, I can do things, being and doing. Good? Awesome. Does everybody understand the importance of identity in all this? That if you don't know who you are, you're going to, that's, I mean, this doesn't apply just to 20-year-olds. I work with people that are trying their hardest, but they're just, they're not happy. I mean, it's, it's not hard to tell. You're grumpy every day. <laughs> I had a little bit of bitterness, huh? <laughs> I told Brandon last week at the conference, he's like, how's it been? And I mean, I was at my like peak of exhaustion and stuff, and I was just like, man, it sucks. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, sorry. Um, <laughs> but I was like, why don't we, because <laughs> they're like, you want to speak next week? I was like, you may need to wait till the bitterness goes away, because I'm not on my game right now. Uh, and, and I'll tell you part of the reason why I wasn't on my game. Um, if you go to the next. <sighs> okay. I know this doesn't make sense right now, but I'll fill you in. It's okay to hit civics. I don't say that because it's actually okay to hit civics. Um, if you are going to hit a car, hit a civic. It costs like $20 to fix them. But I, 
All right, so we had these, we rented these big budget trucks. You know those big, like, moving trucks? U-Hauls, basically. Uh, they're 24 feet long, um, you know, to move all the furniture and everything we needed. So we have, on Wednesday at, at our East Coast event, which finished up like a week, half ago, something like that, we have to move all this furniture because on Wednesday there's labs, and uh, that's like breakout sessions. And then Thursday, Friday is the main event portion of the event. So um, that Wednesday night we have to move all the furniture from the convention center that's right next to the arena over to the arena. And we were kind of in a rush. One of the trucks, as it was going through the parking lot back there, took a left turn too fast and hit a Civic, uh, which I have a picture of. Guess who was driving it? I hit that Civic. <laughs> I dominated that Civic. I was turning left, and the last car I saw was my truck in the back. And I heard like a, and I was like, oh, well, at least it's my truck. Like, you know, if I'm going to have to hit a car, at least it's, and I get out, I cannot tell you the feeling that comes with that moment. Just, and I was like, oh, I mean, I guess I can move back to Texas. I haven't been, <laughs> I guess I'll come back to the ocean. <laughs> uh, but it was, uh, it was literally one of the lowest moments. I was like, I'm just going to have the most uncomfortable phone call with my boss. Uh, so, you know, I call her. She's like, okay, just stay where you are. We're going to our business manager out there. So he comes out, and he's this old, awkward guy. And it, it was such a painful situation. Um, because I hate making mistakes. And most of you probably do. Um, I have I've actually just a great gift over the last eight months is I've, I've been going to a counselor. I just felt like God was telling me, like, you need to do that. By the way, they still have free counseling, right, through SAGU. If you're not doing it, you're, I'm sorry, you're stupid. Like, you need a counselor. I'm not saying that because you have serious problems. I'm saying that if you have lived life, you need a counselor. <laughs> you need someone to talk to like that. It's amazing. So I have this counselor that I've been going to, and she told me, uh, she was like, basically, there's three types of people. There's people with, well, they don't necessarily have low standards. They just, it's like, whatever. You know, they're, they're not lazy. There's nothing wrong with them, but you just kind of have, we'll say low standards. But basically... You don't, you're not bothered as much if the production isn't excellent, if, if everything doesn't go to plan, like you're more easy going, just kind of like, yeah, I mean, that's cool. Okay, that's not a bad thing, that's good. But then there's other, two other types of people. There's, uh, let's see, oh, what's the word? It's a good thing I wrote it down. Ah, got it. Okay. You have adjusted perfectionists. Adjusted perfectionists are people that have extremely high standards and most of the time operate at those standards. Uh, whenever they don't hit those standards, they're able to step back and say, okay, what happened? Uh, I wasn't well equipped. I didn't plan that out far enough in advance. Uh, you know, and they kind of go down the list. They just reason with it and then they're like, okay, that makes sense. I'll do better next time because what they're doing isn't tied up in their identity. They understand that you make mistakes, you fail. Um, I read uh, Bear Grylls' autobiography, and he just never really had, like, a fear of failing. Like, he just didn't. And uh, it's kind of led to where he is. I mean, he broke his back and 10 months later climbed Everest. Just wasn't scared of failing that, which he should be because people die up there. 
I was like, that's not fear of failure. failure. I have a fear of death. I don't want to fall down a crevice. And so, which he almost did. So he just doesn't have that fear of failure, which amazes me because I've always had a fear of failure because I fit into the second group, which is maladjusted perfectionists. Maladjusted perfectionists have high standards and when they don't hit them, freak out. And that is me. Like if I, I just, I crawl up in a hole and I, or I get in the fetal position in my bed and I just like, I don't like to think about what just happened. Like I made some sort of mistake. So that was the civic incense was, I was in, like I don't remember this happening, but this is how bad it was for me. Uh, one of the other interns walked out. I don't remember this moment happening, but, uh, well, I did once she said it, but <laughs> I didn't remember it. But as soon as she walked out, she was like, what happened? And all I said was, comfort me. <laughs> <laughs> that was, <laughs> it was a low point. Uh, <laughs> so I, here, here's the really actually the cool part of that story. And this will tell you if you have great friends or not. Um, I, I will say there's two types of good friends. There's, peop- there's friends that are there for you, and then there's friends that fight for you. And I had so many people in that moment fight for me because they could tell that that was just a low point for me. Um, it was really just like the culmination of all the frustration of work and just being exhausted at that point because we're running on three, four hours of sleep. And uh, people could just tell. People kept pulling me aside and just being like, dude, been there. I did that. I hit a car in a drive through in like our company van and it was so much worse and blah, 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 and they do that. And there's this one, uh, her name's Amanda. She helps run the conference, and I see her once every couple months or something. But um, she pulled me aside and for five minutes just sat there and kept telling me, like, James, you're not going to get fired. Everything is fine. People like you here. They don't want to see you go. <laughs> and just kept saying it until I would acknowledge it. I just kept saying, like, you are fine. You're absolutely fine. You didn't do anything wrong. They shouldn't have had you driving that truck. I just kept repeating it until I said back to her, it's fine, I'm okay. And then she kept checking in with me. Like that was, because in the grand scheme of life, hitting a Civic, especially when it's not on my insurance, good deal. (laughs) (laughs) That was the motto was, well, that's why we have insurance. Or people will walk in and go, "Eh, it happens. I was like, no, it doesn't. People don't hit Civics. So, but she just sat there and just fought for me. Like just in a metaphorical sense, just fought for me and for, for who I was. And there's been many moments like that over the last few months. One of my roommates, his name is John Pritchard. And, and when, I, when you call somebody a pastor, does everybody know that's a spiritual gifting? Being a pastor, like it's not just a position, it's an actual gifting. This guy is a pastor. Like, and he's my roommate and he's like 30. So it's like, He's older, he's wiser, and he loves me more than anybody in Atlanta, like just pours into me continually. And I would sit there and tell him some of the stuff that I've been working through, and he would sit there and just, he wouldn't say like, oh, I understand. He would be like, you're worth it. You're God's man. Like you're, he would just speak life. People don't do that because it's, you know, you feel like it's gonna be kind of awkward, but someone speaking life over you, oh, I'll take that every day over advice. If you can tell me what's true about myself and he just continually spoke into my identity. So if you want to know who a great friend is, it's a friend that will speak life over you, who will fight for you, not who will just sit there next to you and go, oh, that sucks. Man, that's, that's terrible. Like that's, if you want to be a great friend, go out there and be like, you're, you're an amazing person. Like God made you his child. He wants you, and you're worth it. You're worth his time. You're worth that relationship. So uh, that was, like I said, a very... 
That was a low point, but when I say it's okay to hit civics, what I'm trying to say is it's okay to make mistakes. They're gonna happen. It's okay to fail, because if you never fail, you never learn. Uh, I can try and learn from other people's mistakes, but to some extent, you, some of them, you just have to go through it in order to get it, so. Last thing I wanna cover um, is, I think something that we preach about forgiveness a lot. You hear it a lot. Um, but like that says, like that's just, does everybody understand that that's just the first step? Like forgiveness is not like the, I forgive you, oh, we're done. Some things that people have done to you throughout life have scarred you deeply and forgiving them doesn't necessarily fix it. It's the first step, okay? Because God isn't just interested in everything being even, he's interested in your healing and in you being a whole person. So I'll use my family and my situation and really a lot of what came out of my uh, counseling sessions over the past two, three months has been dealing with just my past and childhood and relationship with my parents. Because the, my story previously, what I would have told you coming here telling you my story, the words that I would have used were this. I was a very strong-willed child. I always wanted to do my own thing. My parents, they didn't really know what to do, but they gave their best effort, but I was such a punk and whatever, and I kind of came around. And I told that to my counselor, and she was like, that's nice. That's a, that's a very clean, neat version of that. But that's not how it happened. And she didn't even have to know my whole story to know that that's not how it happened. Like, there's responsibility on both sides, okay? So it's not 100% scale. It's not like it was 80% my fault how my childhood went and 20% their fault. I was responsible for how I acted. They were responsible for how they parented. And it was really hard for me to do it first because I want to honor my parents and I didn't want to be like, yeah, they really did a bad job. <laughs> Some of your parents did a bad job, okay? Some of them did, you know, more than others or something. I don't, I don't want to compare it. I'm just saying that some of you need to acknowledge that, like, you know, I really came out of my childhood not as God intended. And there's no such thing as a perfect set of parents. And a lot of grace towards them because parenting is way harder than I'll probably ever understand until I have kids. It's just, I mean, I, I was an RA last year. Leading you guys was rough enough. And I don't even, I'm not even related to you. <laughs> But it was that process of saying like, yes, everything's forgiven. I don't hold anything against my parents. But there's healing to work through because here's what happens. There's some things that people do to you. You know, they, I don't know, someone, you were supposed to go to lunch with somebody and they forgot. Okay, well, that's probably not going to involve a whole lot of emotional scarring. If it does, that's a whole other issue. Just get over it. But there's some things that will happen in life that will scar you to your core, and you'll start believing things about yourself that's not true, like nobody wants to be around me. Nobody likes me. Nobody's there for me. One of the, you know that picture I showed you of the sailboat that was off in the distance? Like one of the things that came out of that time in my life when I was at my lowest point of depression was I don't need people because all they do is hurt. At the end of the day, as nice as they are, all they're gonna do is hurt me. And the way the enemy does a really good job of twisting that is because it's a partial truth. People will fail you in life. But going around, walking around like everybody is gonna fail you, that's not, 
you're probably not going to be happy, first of all. And it's just not realistic. You need people. But that's what I walked out of that with was I don't need people because they will hurt me. And I can't really trust them because my best friend just pretty much got up and left and I didn't have anybody. So that was some of the stuff that I had to work through, but there is a huge healing process with that. And it's messy and it's hard and it raises everything back up and you get the emotions of the moment. But in that messiness, God does an incredible thing and you come out of it a more complete whole person than you were because you had this wound that you just wanted to ignore. And, and that honestly probably has all come out of the fact that for a while I used to pray, God, I don't care if it hurts, just get sin out of me. Get, heal me, fix me. Okay, it's really cute to pray. When it actually starts to happen, you just, you freak out. Because it's, uh, he goes to work. And God does some incredible stuff, but it's very painful. It's very difficult sometimes. So you can either go through the pain and the change and the pain of changing and get to the end and be a more whole, complete person and closer to where you want to be, or you can just go the easy way, which is never developed in those areas, and you'll always be handicapped. And for people who are probably going into pastoral ministry, you don't really have an option. I'm not saying you can't be broken. I'm not saying that there isn't brokenness there, that you're always going to be working through stuff, that there's not a flesh side to you. But if you want to help other people, if you want to pass stuff along, you have to work through some stuff. It's going to be hard. All right, bow your heads and close your eyes. I want you to really think through, I, I, I know I covered a lot and it was all kind of all over the place a little bit. Hopefully, hopefully, you really understand that it's about identity, it's about your heart. If I could address one thing in particular, I would say, where is your heart? Are you really pursuing God just for God? Or are you pursuing God because there's things that come with that? That there's honor, that there's power, there's love from people. Here's a question, would you rather have a relationship with God or a relationship with this church? Would you rather have a relationship with the things that come with working at a church, with doing ministry, with those kind of things, or are you just going after God and ministry is flowing out of you because of that? So where's your heart? Where are you wounded? Where do you need healing? Where are you not letting God do his work because you cleaned it up by making it into a cute story like I did with mine? and you're just covering up pain, ask God, God, where is that in my life? I'm gonna pray for you real quick, and then I'd like for you guys, if you, if you feel like you need to, you need to come up to the front, and that all that is is an act of submission. It's an act of saying like, there is something, I need to, I need to make myself uncomfortable, I need to get myself out of, place to really hear from God and I want you to come down to the front if you need to and I want to give you a little bit of time just to pray and ask God I want you to ask God a couple questions one is God where is my heart is it in the right place am I missing something am I not being healed from something because it's just painful 
And number two, I would love for you to just ask God, like, tell me one thing about me that I didn't know. And listen for his voice and be expectant that he'll say something. God, I thank you for these leaders. I thank you for these students. I thank you for these people that I can relate with so much because I know a lot of the things that they're dealing with and some of them I don't, but I pray that you really speak to their hearts. I pray that you speak to where they're at and that they'd be able to hear from you. Amen. You guys can come up if you need to.